It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, Dr. Rob Streisfeld, your concierge to better living here on CannabisRadio.com and all over the internet and all over the airwaves and wherever you're tuning in, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you wanting to learn. And of course, our goal is to enhance our lifestyles and to have a better today than yesterday and work together for a better tomorrow than today. And when we do that, we bring in all these great guests and all this good information, and we all kind of make ourselves better together as a community. And that's what I stand for and believe in. And I'm really excited about today's show as always, but I just want to make a quick notice that I know some people listen to these shows in archive or weeks later after we record them, but today is a monumental moment. And I have to give a shout out to New York, my home, my home state where I love uh, the big apple has Cuomo has signed in adult use cannabis as of this morning. It is historic. It's a day we I've looked forward to for many years growing up 10 minutes outside of where Woodstock happened in 69 and that whole culture being around me from day one. Um, and the fact that they put grow your own for that little bit of gift because everyone should have the right to grow a few plants, just like having their own garden and tomatoes and vegetables in the backyard. And that brings me into today's guest, which I'm excited to bring on while we're not doing video. Uh, I was just getting a glimpse of the, the garden uh, outside. Um, so I'm always excited about seeing people grow their own food and grow their, and have gardens and around nature. So today's guest is... Dr. Linda Strauss, PhD, uh, principal and founder of Strategic Clinical Consultants. So many other talents, so many other things to talk about. We're going to get into cannabis and we're going to talk about psilocybin and research. So thank you, Linda, for joining us today. It's great to have you on the show. It's wonderful to be here. I'm really excited, actually. Yeah, this is a, a lot of fun. Great introduction, great about New York. And, oh, it's um, so awesome. I've been working on a project. I have a hemp license in New York. Uh, we are um, have already done some preliminary research in the hemp aspects of what we want to do in New York, um, which has now been rejected by my first journal submission. Hooray. It's, I heard that's also <laughs> a monumental accomplishment to submit research and get rejected. It's pretty standard. And you I, learn from those. You learn. I do. I, I broke the golden rule. I was told though, because I commented back and objected to the, co the, the editor's comments. I told, I was never supposed to object to an editor's comments. I don't, do that well, I, but but it, but it was a good report, and they responded back well, and I and appreciate that from a professional standpoint. Um, but yes, we are going to be continuing the research efforts, and even setting up a research center is my goal in New York, which brings me to the point where you have a lot of experience doing research and do. around research, and that's something that I admire through my early challenges so far. Um, I'll be glad to help and commenting back to reviewers is good. Yes, I think it's important. I mean, there's definitely feedback. When someone makes a comment that micronutrients that I listed are heavy metals and they're not micronutrients, and I, and I comment immediately back saying uh, there are heavy metals and metal alloys that are alloys that are considered micronutrients essential for human and plant health, 
I kind of got offended that that's what you took away from my research paper. But nonetheless, we'll always be learning new things. And that's something that I think anyone strives to do. And what I want to jump into first and foremost, while we have plenty to talk about, is, um, as I mentioned, cannabis in New York. I've been involved in cannabis for many years on the whole plant side, you know, mm. THC, CBD, and I've shared this and I, and I don't mean to jump in so personally, but I know that, you know, um, that you got, you're involved with that as well. The hemp, the CBD, the, the formulation to improve quality of life. And one of the areas that I know we're going to talk about today is end of life care. I've shared many times on my show that I was, I hate to say the word now, it's smuggling, you know, good quality product from California medicine to Florida to treat my terminally ill mother. And everyone said, aren't you afraid of getting arrested? I said, no, 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 no. Bring it on. Like, I'm here to help my mom. I'm here to help my grandparents. This is medicine. This is nature. This is plant. And so I saw that you have done some formulations. You've done some research and some work. And I know you have experience. Can you give a little background into some of the end of life care? Because I really want to focus a lot about that today, um, oh. both with cannabis and psychedelics. And um yeah, and just we'll just jump in that direction if that's okay. Okay, well, we can start with end of life care. It's one of those. Uh, sometimes we look at our lives and all these facets. I could, I have, you know, people would say jack of all trades, master of none. I don't particularly like that phrase, but I'm the first to admit that I have a very multifaceted life and keeps me engaged. It keeps me excited about things. And one of the things I literally fell into. Um, was when I was offered a job as the director of research and education at San Diego Hospice and the Center for Palliative Medicine. I will be honest, I was young. Um, I was a research scientist, did the PhD, go become a postdoc, believe you're going to grow old and um, happy in the ivory towers. And grant money got short and, you know, living on um, soft money, as we called it, was tough. So uh, my mentor and colleague tossed a job description on my desk at UCSD. And I remember looking at it and going, um, I'm not any of these things. I'm not an RN. I don't take care of sick people. I had to go home and look up palliative in the dictionary. Okay, now this was a long time ago. We're proud to say that there's actually, you know, you can actually become a palliative care physician today, which you couldn't, you know, in the mid 90s, <clears throat> just wasn't around. So that um, I interviewed, I remember coming home to my husband at the time and saying, oh my God, these guys are gonna offer me a job. And they did, and I took it, I needed the money, I took it. And it was life changing. Um, I didn't know anything about hospice care. I had made a decision to become a PhD, to get my PhD, not my MD. I made all those you know, logical choices. And here I was um, in a hospice. And not only was it a hospice, we were recipients of a $18.3 million gift from Joan Kroc, heir of McDonald's, and built one of the first freestanding hospice facilities. And as a result of that, <clears throat> coming from an academic research background, I actually started an institutional review board, which is a research ethics committee. And when I resigned for and a half, almost five years later, they asked me to become the chair of that research committee, which I did for 15 years. Um, fast forward, because there is a connection here. Who would have thought that years later, when my husband was diagnosed with incurable brain cancer, glioblastoma, the same 
um, disease that killed Ted Kennedy, Bo Biden, and more recently, John McCain. Um, I reached back out to them you know, for the care I needed as he was facing and journeying through his end of life. Um, as a result of that journey, we um, used marijuana at the time. Now this was before Prop 64. I have, to, I have to pause for a moment and thank you. I heard you very clearly say adult use. I hear way too often recreational. It is not recreational, it is adult use. We don't have recreational alcohol. Yes. I mean, where did we come up with that phrase? So thank you very much. One of my, my pet peeves. <laughs> but anyway, we, my sons, um, both my sons, I have two sons, uh, moved home the last six months of their dad's life. So my husband lived two years with GBM, which is pretty standard. And um, it's a journey I wouldn't wish on anybody. But uh, those last six months with both my sons home, girlfriends at the time, we used cannabis to not only treat the symptoms of his disease, but the side effects of the treatment for that disease. Plus to your point, the quality of life, the right. sleep. Oh my God, you said you cared for your mom. Oh yeah. How can somebody be sleep deprived for two years? <laughs> but you run on this energy that you just can't imagine. And after his death, my older son in particular went out, got educated, worked for a, a cannabis physician, worked on a farm. Um, worked with biochemists, met some very famous ones that were still underground. You know, they were the ones doing the, the frankincense and the essence and the perfume. And oh, by the way, we're also doing over this, um, yeah. <laughs> just over here. Uh, and we actually, after Prop 64 passed, which I, like you, were very excited to see, um, we actually moved into the hemp space away from the regulated cannabis space because our primary mission was to get our products in the hands of everybody who could possibly benefit, not just those people who fit now into a regulated you know, right. space. No, it's, it's amazing. And I appreciate you sharing, especially the personal component to it. I mean, for me, you know, using a combination of CBD and then, you know, f full cannabis, I would say it's all the same as cannabis. It's such a weird, you know, <laughs> arbitrary designation of what hemp is, but I tell you, appreciate the CBD value, the, the THC value, but then of course, all the other compounds that are in this plant are, you know, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of the flavonoids and the terpenoids, as well as the micronutrients that people miss out, depending on how you're doing it. I mean, I've been a hemp food fan for almost 20 years, as far as hemp seeds and hemp proteins. So my friends from Manitoba Harvest that I've known for almost two decades. So like, this is not new to a lot of us, but it is something right. new for a lot of people at the same time. Um, but that quality of care, I know my mom was given two to three months to live and she had over two years. And a lot of that I attributed to not just cannabis, but naturopathic medicine that I applied, nutritional guidance and changes as much as I could. Um, a lot of caregiving and dedication and time with her. Um, and that's really important. So just the beginning though, and that, but it's funny, I know it's interesting to start with the end of life, but I want people to understand that our lives are precious, that even though we're not all sick, we have reason to improve or feel well, or optimize our well-being because it gives us the most out of the short amount of time that we all have. And uh, I've always been, and the last thing I'll say before this break is that as much as you, you know, go out of your way to help those that are sick. I also comment and really appreciate and support the caregivers themselves, the family members that step up and help the, the loved ones. It's not easy on them. 
And so sometimes even that hemp derived CBD, those, those CBD products are amazing. I'm working on a, you know, right now on a stress and sleep formula. You actually mentioned the sleep that is so important, not just for ill people, but for those that are caring for ill, because it helps them manage the stress and the emotional toll that it takes. So I think these are all really key, important points. And we're just getting rolling. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back at this brief message. Our sponsor's gotta pay some bills. Uh, we're here with Dr. Linda Strauss. Don't go anywhere. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here on CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, all right, all right. We are back in our second segment today with Dr. Linda Strauss talking about a lot of cool stuff in regards to her background in hospice care, which I think is really interesting to start with the end of life. But as we talk about this, I saw Canada is starting to really change their perception around end of life care and the options to use psychedelics like psilocybin. Um, but and, and psilocybin and psychedelics are becoming more uh, welcomed and open. I'm very big on health practitioner guided therapy, not just, you know, random dosing and, and, and exper- I, again, experimentation is cool. I've done plenty openly and admittedly. Um, but at the same time, as we get states that say, oh, we're, we're legalizing or decriminalizing all these compounds. It's not a free-for-all. We want regulation in the sense of quality control. We want consistency in dosing. We want safety in what people are consuming internally or externally. And whether or not pharma goes out and develops certain drugs for certain conditions, our increased scientific understanding through research is imperative in regards of whether you sit on me on the more natural, holistic, you know, nature derived forms or more processed, identified, isolated, you know, crafted forms from a pharmaceutical derivative. I can't say they're all bad or all good. We have to realize this is a full spectrum of our wellness paradigm. And I think you can contribute a lot to the full spectrum, not just one aspect of it. So a little bit of background, if you don't mind, Linda, on some of the research in that area or what you're working on would be helpful and uh, maybe connect some of these dots for our listeners. I was going to say, you, you you threw a lot of balls up in the air there. So let's try to I'm connect good at that. Don't worry about all of it. Again, we'll have you back on. I'm, I'm sure this is just the beginning of our conversation. So let's I, just I have a great so. conversation and get whatever we can. Yeah, so you, I mean, the research piece is, is huge and, and we learn by experience, same way, you know, we raise our kids and say, you know, why, why can you as a parent say, because I know, well, we know because we have more experience and life experience changes us. I mean, COVID's a great example. Just look at how we treated the first COVID patients compared to how we're treating them today, because we've learned and it's that process. So I'm a firm believer in research. I actually teach a human nutrition and wellness class at the University of California, San Diego, and I am very proud of myself 
lot of pushing from my two sons that I actually now give a lecture on the endocannabinoid system. Sweet. I mean, how can you not? Yes, Yet sir. we didn't even know about it till the 90s. So, you know, that's a great story. And I, I'm sure you are aware of how we discovered it was based on research in Israel that was looking at how THC worked. Mm-hmm. And so they were studying it in animals and said, well, what the hell? Sorry, but that's okay. You know, how can they be finding THC? That doesn't make sense. Well, sure, it does make sense because THC mimics anatomine, which is the endogenous cannabinoid that we produce internally in our own body. More cool is anatomine actually in Sanskrit means bliss. Yes. And this is the, you know, the blissfulness we get when we, yes, partake and smoke, you know, marijuana, TH, high THC containing compounds. So I'm excited about the psilocybin movement because I am a product of the 60s, which means I don't remember them because I actually lived them. No, <laughs> joking. But, um, you know, we experimented all the time. I mean, psychedelic mushrooms was, you know, a, a wave. I mean, you said you lived near Woodstock. I mean, the Catskills, the, the mountains, yeah, cows. I mean, so, it was there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we have all this anecdotal information. And now you're correct. Wouldn't it be great to understand it, to truly understand the mechanisms of action, which using cannabis in parallel, we now know a lot about because we've discovered the endocannabinoid system. We can now do research. We can test it. We now have technologies that we've never had before. Functional MRI changed the way we understood neural pathways because you can actually see how a person's pathway changed. There's, you know, and so there's great studies going on looking at both um, macro dosing and micro dosing. So macro dosing briefly means you take, you know, a higher dose and you actually trip and that changes our neural connections, the fluidity of our neural pathways. And then micro dosing, which actually um, excites me a little bit more because I like the concept of homeostasis, the concept of maintaining that, that personal homeostatic level that you need to um, have optimal quality of life, optimal wellness. And you're right, there's a like um, cannabis with all the terpenoids and flavonoids, there's a lot of compounds. And that's what's exciting about EI Ventures. Their um, psilocybin product called Psilly um, is from the whole fungi, the whole mushroom. Whereas most of the research going on today, and in fact, I can almost say all of it is synthetic there's um get you around the growing which is going to be a problem like it was growing cannabis who can cultivate mushrooms and who cannot um will we actually ever see something like they did in new york or in california um even under years ago the original prop 215 you could grow six plants right problem is if you didn't have somebody like you or if i didn't have my two sons i didn't have time to grow marijuana plants i was caring for my husband who was dying so we needed those dispensaries and the ability to go and hopefully um, with the regulations today, we'll have the confidence of going in and using a psilocybin product, knowing that every time you go in and get treated, you get the same product. 
you know, it, it's that's super important. And that's something I work with in dietary supplements and, mm-hmm. and even now in formulation, you know, in, in even my products today, I love a full spectrum, you know, hemp oil, but is there a consistency in that full spectrum when you're talking about dosing a medical patient or someone with a specific need? Very often there's not, even if you're buying from the same source, there's still environmental conditions that cause variation in plant growth and other things. So part of me is in that battle again of like I, you know, formulating by individual compounds and building up the right formula so it's consistent or taking what nature gave us in its formula and, and, and letting the body adjust to small variations in each dose, which the body is kind of trained to do also. So I had this little split mentality on this and I'm battling internally. I'm probably going to offer both because I think there's a, an opportunity for both in the market, but even with psilocybin and the mushrooms, you know, the, the, the chitin or chitin outer shell or this cellulose coating is really part of the problem for human digestion, causing some digestive disturbance. So I get where if technologies and innovation can provide the benefits of many compounds found in these mushrooms without that secondary digestive complications or nausea or issues, that's great from a delivery standpoint. But if we just isolate one and forget about everything else, now I'm not sure that's really what was intended from nature. So there's that dance between. Yeah, so um, if I can add to that, it's great. Yeah. And I always like to bring all these facets of my life together. Who would have thought you know, that at my age, all these pieces would now literally fall together. I mean, right. from nutrition to research to cannabis and psilocybin and whole plant, whole botanical medicine. But I always tell my students, Um, back to your point that maybe it is both is yes, it's easy to pull ascorbic acid off the shelf and ascorbic acid. I'll tell you is ascorbic acid and I don't care where it comes from. However, when you get your ascorbic acid, your vitamin C from an orange, you're getting water, you're getting fiber, you're getting a term that was coined by Ethan Rousseau through the cannabis world entourage effect, but it applies to the psilocybin psychedelic fungi, it applies to our foods. They bring this entourage effect, which very clearly and briefly means the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It doesn't mean you can just take all those pieces, the terpenoids and the flavonoids or the the chitin around the mushroom and add it to the psilocin, et cetera, et cetera. It means there's something synergistic. There's something whole in that I love it. I love it all together. I actually bring that up a lot, the vitamin C, the ascorbic acid, then they had to add the bioflavonoids and rose hips just to make it more absorbable and bioavailable. It's Again, these are key attributes. And I love the, the human nutrition component of the conversation because that's really where I'm passionate about going forward is, is, is nutrition as the basis of healing. When I finished naturopathic school, I went to culinary school, plant-based culinary oh, cool. school in New York, vegan, vegetarian culinary, you know, too. And everyone made fun of me. And I'm like, no, no, no. As a healer, we start with the most basic elements of what we put in our body and on our body on a regular basis. And that, from a food standpoint that we all have in common, eating multiple times a day, that became my foundation. That's what led me through my journey. And then many other pieces, like you said, came together unexpectedly from my anthropology backgrounds, to my naturopathic medicine backgrounds, to my culinary backgrounds. And then I met my, one of my mentors, Donna Gates, from Body Ecology, who talked about fermenting food and the whole inner ecosystem and the beneficial bacteria. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. So this is like... <laughs> It's so cool when those things on your journey, especially when you don't have them intended, when you're going out to learn for the sake of learning or for betterment or for passion or, or purpose, not for profit or you know that kind of thing. And then they come together to create a, 
not work but or a job, but your life's career, your path that makes you feel good because you're contributing. And I think that's great. I'm glad that we have that in common and I, and, I'm, yeah. and I see that interest and that excitement going on as we're as I am in psilocybin and psychedelics and cannabis has all these great compounds that are both mind and body connecting right. come to our society as a revelation or revolution or however you want to look at it. So. And it is a journey. I used to, I wrote a lot during uh, my two year journey and I called it a journey with no maps. Mm-hmm. Granted, I had read Graham Greene's, um, you know, journey with journey with maps his uh, journey through Sierra Leone, uh, Africa. And so I sort of took that, but it is a journey with no maps. And my husband used to say, every time we'd go in and get results of an MRI, you know, I'd be freaking out and going, well, what are we going to do? And he goes, well, we'll take the next indicated step. And today, who would have thought I would speak? I mean, I, I lectured for an entrepreneur organization on preparing for end of life. And a lot of them were like young kids. Sorry, but they're young. You know, they're in their oh. 30s, successful, 20 entrepreneurs starting great companies. And I remember one, um, I always started by saying, so, you know, are you going to have any regrets? What do you, what do you think about in your life? Because the one thing I learned from my journey, and I'm sure you did with your mom and family members is I realized I don't really have any regrets. doesn't mean I don't want to do anything. doesn't mean I don't want to travel someplace, but it means I don't live my life regretting that I should have, could have, would have, but for some reason, I had to go to work or I had to do something and I chose not to. And I always tell people, don't love your partner so much that you put them on all your documents as, you know, Rob and Linda. Go there. That word and will come back to haunt you when something happens. It has to be or. And so there's all these little weird life changes. I went on to lecture on um, research, cancer research, which I, um, the, the part I actually make a living at and is, I guess, would be my career is clinical research. And I've done um, 30 years in drug development, primarily in large global studies. I've run huge studies, 30 countries, hundreds of cancer centers. And the last 15, 20 years, it's been cancer research, a lot in metastatic melanoma. Um, And I started lecturing on the ethical ramifications of end of life research, because our three principles that were codified in the Belmont report, the first one is autonomy. And so can you be autonomous if you're dying? Can you do a clinical research, volunteer, and not hope that it will work? How does that term hope fit in? Great, (laughs) totally another conversation. Yes. No, there's so much about that. And and again, I just, before we take a break, I mean, I read in my anthropology undergrad was a lot of that kind of end of life or life's journey and uh, death and dying, a biocultural process was one of the courses I took by an amazing professor, guru, meditation guy from New York, uh, Paul Name, I remember his name, he was impactful. And um, it's just one of those things that, you know, to reflect back as I I never had experienced it firsthand at that age in undergrad. My, I was grateful. I had all, all my grandparents were still alive. It was, I, I was blessed. I was like that too. <laughs> and then, but then after that, next 10 years, it was like, 
whoa, I'm grateful to have that reference point. And I don't mean this to be a downer conversation, but it's a very important conversation to have that people realize, you know, this is inevitable in that regards. I'm all about anti-aging and improving your life and longevity. And that's part of my life hacking skills and that we want to promote. And we'll, we do that a lot, but we really need to address these, these as reality. These are things that we're all deal with whether in person or our family members or other ones and as a healer is a lot to be that person helps many other families go through that too like you it, it's it's, it's life-changing and and it's definitely eye-opening in that regard so um, we're gonna take another quick break we'll come back with our last section today with dr linda strauss this has been quite amazing don't go anywhere this is doc rob your concierge for better living here at cannabisradio.com the concierge for better living will continue in a moment Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on cannabisradio.com. All right, and we are back. And of course, this is one of those amazing conversations that can go for an hour, two hours. I know we will have you back on. But as we wrap up today's show, um, I know we touched on only a few things I wanted to get to, um, but I, I think it's really important what we covered today. I think that's really great, and I appreciate you sharing that insight. I remember my grandmother being put into hospice, my brother coming in saying, was all upset. She goes, So he left, and she goes, okay, I, 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 I'm not done yet. And she went home for another month. And I just want people to understand that a lot of this is your mental state, how you believe, your hope. Your, you know, something's out of our control, but if you have that positivity, you have that love support around you, if you have that community, it makes that journey, whatever the end result's going to be, that much better for all parties involved. And I can always thank those people around me, my family and friends and loved ones. And of course, the guides, the healers, uh, you know, Mara Gordon, Dr. Rosenberg, all these people that brought their knowledge from cancer care to cannabis treatments that's what we're here for with that village of community. And, and I appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything that uh, you want to share as far as you know, resources, links, things you want to talk about, you know, just before we wrap up today to our listeners, because I know we're going to have you back on. And I know they're intrigued already. So. No, I think you invited me on originally because of my work with um, EI Ventures, which is a part of Orthogonal Thinker, which is um, a wellness. David Nixad, who is the uh, president and CEO I've known him since um, probably for the past eight years we're going on since my husband's death, um, looking to improve the quality of life, especially mental illness. And again, not to, you know, not to remember 2020 too much, but, um, you know, the incidence and increase in mental illness is unprecedented. And the saddest thing to me is it's impacting kids and young kids and um, teenagers and young adults 
that really feel that hopelessness that comes with, you know, consistent anxiety and stress, not something, you know, we like to say in, you know, in health and wellness that, you know, nobody can take away your stress, but we can definitely help you manage it. If um, mental illness such as uh, schizophrenia, PTSD, actually we're looking at a lot of stuff with um, substance abuse disorders, substance use disorder, and seeing um, success with psilocybin as a means of treatment. And so if we have these tools, I think for people who want to look um, and search, I mean, obviously the internet's a, a great source, but I think looking towards science, looking towards academic um, research institutes that are doing research now in psilocybin, looking to companies that are really validated in their mission, as well as their team. There's a lot, you know, and I, I don't know your product. I apologize. No, no. Mine. But, you know, there's a lot of CBD out there. You can Google hemp and probably what you went through with your mom and what I went through with Randy. The reality is, is every time I walked into that dispensary, I didn't know what the hell I was getting. I mean, please, you know, don't tell me you stick your nose in the bag. It smells good. That's what we did in the 60s. You smoked, you got high, you said, okay, it must be good. Um, today, we have so many options. We know THC is effective in neuropathic pain, but we know CBD is an anti-inflammatory. So if your pain is due to inflammation, then that's a great option for you. I mean, the highest users of, of CBD, sorry, the baby boomers are me and my mother and father. Yeah actually use our products for sure so, for sure and we're seeing you know people reaching out um, i help uh ei ventures respond to the the sad point where people you know see a, a news press release or something and they yeah. send an email saying i have this i have that can i get into your clinical trial can i get the product and that's where at ei ventures we really see ourselves having um earlier monetization points where we can um, characterize our product and then make it available to other companies that may want to make their own end product, if you will. We'll just right, have the right. active ingredient. And hopefully going into the clinics, like you mentioned, Oregon is opening up health clinics. Canada right. has opened health clinics. We're under the direction of a physician caregiver. We will be able to treat patients who could actually benefit from these products. And that's really the main thing here. I think that's wonderful. I think we're definitely to keep an eye on EI Ventures. I definitely have some other companies that I think meet those standards as well. But I mean, there's so much potential here in this wide ranging industry. Thank you for your contributions to it. Thank you for continued work. I'm so grateful to connect and we will continue this conversation both online and off. Um, as I used to walk people through Whole Foods and give them tours because they didn't know what to buy in a health food store. The same kind of goes now into dispensaries and other retail places for these new compounds and new products. Products. It is education first. It's always been that way here with me. First. And again, I, I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you, Dr. Linda Strauss, for joining us today. Thank you, everyone at Cannabis Radio for making this happen. Brasco, my man, producer, you know, making this all work and flow. All you listeners out there for tuning in, don't forget to stay tuned, share this, uh, send me any comments through social media. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for you. With all that, I wish everyone, as always, all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well.
the opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.